Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 226, and I'm very happy to have back in the cave one of my good friends of the show, the comic curator himself, the aficionado, Mr. Kevin Boyd. Kev, welcome back to the show. It's nice to have you back as frequently as we've been chatting. How are you doing? Thanks, Eric. Glad to be back. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm, it's such an exciting time. <laughs> you know of just reading comics and watching tv uh that's a, like a whole that's my new career so uh actually it already was my career but now it's just uh, what i do <laughs> i was thinking i go isn't that what your job always has been <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I i hear you and you know i think because this is this is extending so long and it's like this is really groundhog's day people are re- referencing that but um mm-hmm. In some ways, it's kind of nice to be able to enjoy the things we enjoy, you know, without having the because because last year at some point it became so noisy and you were yeah. scared to, to turn on the news and see what's happening now. Whereas mm-hmm. with the, you know, the changeover of some things in the, our neighboring country, it's kind of like, oh, it's it's a little quiet. The, the world is still noisy with the pandemic. I got that. Yeah. We're bored. But this is better than turning on the news and everything being just a mess all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a feeling that the, uh, the Americans are calmer. Yeah. That they're in a more, they're, they've got stable government. They don't have uh, Dr. Doom in charge. Uh, you know, he's, who needs to be in the media every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I haven't, I tried, it sounds really silly. I tried to, step away a little more from the social media and the news and the CNN. Cause I just was like, I'm getting too agitated all the time. So I don't know what's, what's sometimes happening in the world. And I don't know if that is necessarily a good thing either, but it feels a little more quiet. Like this week, it seems the biggest news item I heard of was LeBron James yelling at a white woman at the game. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, no problems. <laughs> so well, I, I think you know, Biden is very much referring normalcy. So, uh, so he's trying to be, bring back that normal element. Yeah. And that's a good thing. No problem mm-hmm. with that. So we came up with a little bit of a game plan for this episode and you actually came up with it, which I, I really enjoy the idea. And, um, why don't you, since it's your idea, why don't you kind of break down what you thought we should, uh, kind of tackle today as a subject? Well, I started picking up from your conversations with Sam Noir last week, um, Yes. One division and stuff. I was thinking maybe we could discuss um, like a primer, like books to read to prepare yourself for some of the upcoming Marvel uh, shows and movies this year, because there's a lot coming. Yeah. From from pretty wide ranging areas across the Marvel universe. So it feels like two years worth almost, right? What yeah. we didn't get in 2020, it's getting compounded in 2021 in some way. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, all these movies and shows we were supposed to get last year are, are kind of merging in with this year's stock. Yes. So. No, it's exciting. What What are you looking forward to the most? I know WandaVision right now is, is hitting it out the park for me. I think you've uh, expressed the same, yeah. similar similar things. Well, what are you excited for upcoming? On the TV front, probably Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And uh, on the movie front, uh, Spider-Man 3. Is probably the most exciting one. So is that 2021? I don't even know. Is that 2021? 
Yeah, December. Yeah, we're getting three Spider-Man related films this year, provided movie theaters can take movies again. Yeah. Uh, but there's Morbius, Venom 2, and Spider-Man 3. Wow. So Morbius is not it's not going to be in the Venom universe, is it? It's going to be in the MCU universe, right? Um, so it's going to be more in the Venom universe. Okay. But uh, the Spider-Man stuff is veering more towards being MCU. Well, it is MCU. So those other movies will be connected but not connected. You know what I mean? It's like uh, they're happening and they may very well be happening in the Marvel universe. But right. um, they uh, they probably are, are independent, right? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those. That's a good lineup of uh, choices. Uh, I probably if I, I don't have a list in front of me, but I'm probably as excited for the same films as you are because I I love Spider Man as many people know. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain America was my favorite trilogy of the MCU of of the solo characters. Mm-hmm. I love the those those films really made me appreciate the character more and go back and read a lot more of his his older comics and um mm-hmm. uh, what was the other one you mentioned the the, the spider-man the captain so, america Falcon, yeah yeah spider-man and, uh, so there's venom there's eternals um what if hawkeye Loki. <laughs> I'm actually Black looking Widow. forward to Loki. Loki, I'm excited yeah. for. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect, but the um, the time travel, dimension hopping stuff looks pretty cool. Yes, that I'm really mm-hmm. excited for. And you know, we Black Widow will finally become a um, Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu, mm-hmm. and the Ten Rings. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, and then I think Miss Marvel at the very end. Which may or may not get pushed to next year. Yeah, Miss Marvel. Uh, that 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 was a character who became a fa- an unexpected favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really happy that they're they're proceeding with that character, having their own live action uh, television show, and you know to go to. To go places like with the Shang Chi character, it just opens up so many possibilities, and and the way the MCU has, uh, it, it's always those ones that you think, hmm, I don't know about that one. Those usually are the ones that knock it out the park. I always think of Guardians of the Galaxy and and those mm-hmm. movies that mm-hmm. seem like, ah, are they really gonna go with that one? And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Shang Chi becomes the the next Black Panther. Yep. So, yeah, it's super exciting. There's a lot of potential there, yeah. So before we get into, uh, like, a primer for what people can maybe read if they if they want to catch up on these characters, get an idea of who they are, even after they've watched something, tell me a little bit of your uh, thoughts of, on WandaVision because everybody's everybody started off like, ah, what is this? What's going on? This is not what I expected. Um, but then episode four, and it was, you know, Shut up, all you whiners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I have a lot of theories. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. And um, it's a tough one because, um, and that's one thing we'll, we'll get in with the discussion of Marvel movies and shows, is um, 
the fact that um, they they take they pick and choose what they want from comics, mm-hmm. right? So you're not necessarily getting um, the uh, like the full on adaptation. You're getting little bits of this, little bits of that, mm-hmm. and so. I spent a lot of time looking at the the Easter eggs. Obviously, there are a lot of Easter eggs and hidden things in, in the four episodes we've seen so far. And so I've come up with my theory. Okay, so my theory is this. It's that uh, the blip happens. Everybody comes back. We see what happens in Endgame. Of course, Carla Witch fights Thanos. Um, and she goes to Tony Stark's funeral. And... Um, she has like had had no time to grieve, essentially, right? It's basically, Vision died, he died, she came back, she fought Thanos, went to the funeral. When she's talking to Hawkeye at the end of that movie, she accesses her memories and she looks, she kind of looks up and says, "We both know that we were successful." So Black Widow and um, Vision both know that that uh, they succeeded in defeating Thanos and bringing everybody back. So I think her connection with the Infinity Stones is such that she's still linked to the energies that were in the stones, and her powers come from them as well, right? So if you see her exhibiting different uh, things in the show, you can see her using time travel to a certain extent by rewinding time. You can see her using the reality, the either power with the red energy, um, but she's also shown energy, uh, time stone. Uh, so mind stone uh, connects with vision. So vision's mind and memories were tied in with that. Um, so little things like that. So you see, uh, you know, they bring out the, the the glamour and illusion cabinet, and it has the mind stone on the front, and uh, little things like that. And little hidden throughout uh, the animated opening. Uh, a hexagon is very important and it's a repeated image throughout the show so uh, the animated opening you see the six points in the sky to me that's like the six points of the infinity stones and the energies that they contain and combined they form a hexagon of energy uh, so in, in math a hexagon is a perfect symbol say that again it, say that one more time a hexagon is a perfect symbol in mathematics perfect symbol okay so, so it covers the most area of all uh, of all of the different symbols. Apparently, it's. I mean, I've read something like um, here. Let me give you the quote. There uh, it is. Okay, what makes hexagons special? Well, a hexagon is the shape that best fills a plane with equal size units and leaves no wasted space. So hexagonal packing minimizes perimeter for a given area because of its 120 degree angles. So it's it's um, probably the best for and like and it also ties in with uh, magic in the ways right. So you have hex magic and um, mm. which is a you know, basically a curse or a spell, and that kind of ties back to Scarlet Witch and her abilities, but. Uh, I'm <laughs> becoming a rambling confused stuff, but essentially, um, my theory is that uh, Jimmy Woo's missing person is Sonny Birch from Ant Man and the Wasp. 
So I watched that recently. You know, the guy that was trying to broker technology, first he was selling it to Old Van Dyme, and he said he had an interested party that wanted the quantum tech that they possessed. Okay. Okay, so at the end, he's arrested by the FBI, and Jimmy Woo is the main agent on the case. So my guess is that he was put into the witness protection program. And while he was in New Jersey in the program, he started to trade in alien artifact and stolen tech. So Simon right? Birch, let, let, let me just uh, clarify, because the the movies I've seen the least from the MCU are the Ant-Man ones. So Simon Birch is okay. from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sonny Birch. Sonny Birch, uh, sorry. Yeah, so he is played by Walton Goggins. Okay. The actor, the character actor. So he was, uh, basically he was chasing Hank Pym and Scott Lang for the quantum tech that Hank Pym had in his lab. Okay. That same tech that they used to, um, for the quantum heist, the time heist in Infinity War and Endgame. Okay. Right, so... So Birch, in the witness protection program, uses the chaos of the blip to either try to access um, a facility that has acquired tech uh, or stolen tech. And at the same time, Wanda is out in that area trying to find Vision's body, which was shipped back to the U.S. from Wakanda and put into some kind of a storage facility. And this is this, this the thing about uh, Vision's body is this is theory or is this established from some sort of explanation? Well, we know his body was abandoned um, and left lifeless at the end of Infinity War. Yeah. So I'm assuming that uh, Captain America and Black Widow and them boxed his body up basically and brought him back to the U.S. and he was probably at the Avengers facility, right? So now the Avengers facility is destroyed. So someone may have been going through the rubble and taking out important artifacts and putting them into a warehouse somewhere. Okay. Okay, and so this is a, this is a very deep dive, my theory, okay? <laughs> so once, once the body, Sonny Birch is there trying to steal the tech. At the same facility is also either a creeper, a Cree sleeper cell or actual Cree tech in storage. And we know from Captain Marvel, the Cree tech uses hexagonal patterns. Okay. So I don't know if you saw Captain Marvel. Yeah. So remember when Carol Danvers talks to the Supreme intelligence. Mm -hmm. So she enters a kind of a construct artificial reality. Mm -hmm. So, um, and basically, um, I think that she's found that she can use that, or someone's proposing to use that tech to communicate with what's left of the vision. Okay. And she sort of enters a kind of a construct reality to communicate with the vision. And we see that in some of the trailers. We see uh, Wanda in a, in a room wearing a white outfit. And something gets turned on, then she's wearing her regular clothes. She falls back, and then she wakes up in the, 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 the living room of the black and white house in the, in the sitcom reality, and the vision is there. 
And so she's she's in color wearing her normal clothes and he's in black and white. And then next thing, boom, she's in black and white and she's fully in the reality. So my thinking is, is that she's in a kind of a virtual reality, but her powers allow her to manipulate what's going on in that. And there is a physicality to it in the town of Westview. So... <laughs> um kev yeah we're real geeks oh yeah for sure (laughs) we're really geeky right now and i love it i'm deep diving on this one so (laughs) i think that when monica rambo went in unlike all of the other residents who are there but they're asleep they're essentially cooked into the machine into the construct when Monica Rambosch went in, she was like uh, the drone. She was like a, she was transformed by the, her reality powers into Geraldine. And she didn't remember who she was, but when Agnes says she has no home, it's because unlike the rest of them who are stored in some facility and plugged into this construct where their bodies are almost like avatars, Monica's was real. Okay, so at some point, um, Vision is going to figure out something's going on, try to leave that reality, get sucked back in, and um, somehow Wanda will turn off the device and get disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. And then since she's been stretching her powers in the artificial reality, she will start actually transforming real things with her powers uh, you you've uh, you should, i mean this should be a comic book story it's got so <laughs> it's got it's it's such a I, I was i'm listening to you and i'm yeah and i and i feel like this all happened this is something i just need to catch up on you're 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 bringing up these names and these characters and you're tying it in in such a seamless way and last week i was tripping out with with sam noir's theories and yours is mm-hmm. even deeper dive. I don't know if you've heard that episode, but I was so excited. This is crazy. I like well, it. I believe it. <laughs> like Mephisto <laughs> could be involved because of the children, yeah. right? The, and we know from the comics, from the, the Vision Quest storyline, that uh, her two children's uh, two, two children, who were manifestations of her reality powers, uh, were in fact, uh, the energy was drawn from Mephisto's soul. Right, so it was his way of gaining access to our plane of existence. And and, and Agnes, then, Agnes in the show, I'm my simple mind because I'm not as you know, I'm a moron. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Agatha Harkness. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the theory, and she's wearing the brooch, the same brooch that Agatha Harkness uh, would wears in the comics. So for those who are listening to us, and and like you guys are just really geeking out not knowing agatha harkness is a character who uh is closely associated also with the fantastic fours like the nanny yeah. to the fantastic fours children but also was a mentor to uh wanda scarlet witch yeah. to teach her actually how to use magic as opposed to just her reality warping powers that's yeah. basically who she is she's a pretty important character but not a main character yeah, she's uh, she's an actual witch from Salem, Massachusetts. Yes, who uh, was one of the witches that was tried in 1692. 
Ah, yes. So she's she's essentially immortal. She she looks ancient in the comics. Yes. And she was the nanny for Franklin Richards. Yes. And uh, yeah, when when soon um, when Wanda wanted to learn actual magic, she went to train with with Agatha Harkness because Doctor Strange wasn't available. Huh. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um. Sam was saying how in in simpler way to explain it was that Wanda is what she is doing, uh, messing with reality, and mm-hmm. and I don't know he's probably told you, and with Loki potentially messing with time and dimensions space is what could trigger open up a portal to the multiverse. Mm. And is a way to introduce um, the Silver Surfer from the Fox movies that I think we're much more familiar with as far as Silver Surfer is concerned in in a Mm. movie format. Not sorry, Quicksilver. Pardon me. Quicksilver. Quicksilver, yeah. Yeah, Quicksilver. Silver Surfer. Um, There's, yeah, I mean, Quicksilver in in the Marvel Universe, the the movie universe is dead. Yes. Uh, He was killed in Age of Ultron. And uh, his death, the memory of it, uh, brings Wanda back to reality of sorts in episode three. But uh, there's a theory that uh, she may revive a form of Quicksilver in this show because um, the rumor is that um, Evan Peters, who played the Quicks- Fox universe, right. um, X-Men movie, Quicksilver. Yes. Uh, is supposed to be playing some kind of cameo part in the show. Yes. So, um, so basically, in the comics, Wanda's powers come from her mutant abilities, um, and her mutant abilities control probabilities. Yes. And um, later on, she learns magic. Yes. Because what her probability powers are like a form of magic. Yes. So in the Marvel Universe, cinematic universe, her powers were activated by the Mind Stone in Loki's staff. So her powers are tied more into the Infinity Stones. Yes. So when she manifests the red energy, it's like the red energy of the Aether, or the Aether, the red um, reality stone. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Her brother's blue energy is reflective of the Space Stone which allows you to bend time and space, which is how he's able to run so quickly. So, and and green energy is time. Purple is power. I can't remember what the other ones are. Yellow is mind. Yeah, because Uh, they're different. They're different in the comics and in the movies. So I confuse them, right? There's the green is the time stone. Yeah. And yeah, yellow is mind. Purple's power. Purple's power from Guardians of the uh, the Galaxy. Yeah, purple's power. The e- so what is the ether? What does that do? What which stone is that? So ether debuts in Dark World. Yeah, Dark World. Yeah, with Malekith. Yeah, I remember. I just what its property, what it what it does. I don't remember. It's like a red slimy material. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I remember Jane Foster. You know, it, it inhabits Jane Foster. But yeah. out of uh, which stone would it be? That's the reality stone. Reality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So, and then um, the Tesseract had the blue stone, the space stone in it. Yes. So when Thanos cracks it out, uh, 
it's kind of a light blue color. And so that's the same color that Pietro manifests when he runs in Age of Ultron. Which is odd considering... Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Considering that they were activated by the Mind Stone, it's, it's interesting that their powers were a different color. Yes. But they did say in um, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 that the stones are all connected. There, yes. The collector and then says I think this. In Infinity War, they mentioned that the Soul Stone is the, probably the most important because it. And there, there's a sentience to the stones. They're definitely aware of what's going on in certain cases. Um, but the soul stone is a special place in the, in the, the, the gauntlet, essentially the six stones. Yes. It links them all. So somehow by tapping into the energy of the stones, Wanda is on like almost like an avatar for their powers. Yes. So she starts to manifest in this show what looks to be other aspects of the stone. Like she reverses time when she rewinds things and changes vision's perspectives. Right. So that would be the green energy of time. We don't actually see the green, but uh, the sense is that she somehow accessing. So if you think of the Infinity Stones as Doctor Strange said, they're the primal energies of the universe. Yes. Yeah. And they coalesced into these six stones. Now Thanos destroyed them. Yes. In the in uh, Endgame, he went to his vacation planet and destroyed them in this reality. They went and brought them from uh, from an earlier time, and then Captain America returned them. So they're not the stones don't exist because they were still destroyed by Thanos. But when he destroyed them, that energy was released into the universe. So essentially, the energy is there. You can't destroy energy. It's a scientific principle that energy can't be destroyed. It's just the way you that can, it's been it's, harnessed has is, is been uh, gone. Yeah. So someone with reality controlling powers could, in theory, recreate the stones by drawing the energy back in. Yes. Someone who has connection with that energy. So that's a theory as well that Wanda may in the end have, recreate the Infinity Stones. Which may be how she saves Vision. It's 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 just too much to consider all the possibilities and it's how they crazy. all make sense. Like it, it, as you're speaking, and uh, as I was speaking to Sam last week, um, just how you know the 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 comic book knowledge, the reading, the story, even more so than comic book knowledge, the um, understanding of storytelling that that mm-hmm. we kind of uh, gain over the years we really start to see possibilities and how things can connect and make sense that as you guys are saying this right now, and this is not to be sacrilege or, or it's, it's hyperbolic, but not, you know, yeah. if anyone's offended too bad, um, yeah. you can understand based on how the Marvel universe is forming. And it's such a complex tapestry of storytelling and types of stories that, Again, I'm repeating myself, but it's the type of story that they're telling on top of the story within them. Because you've got mm-hmm. such different flavors with something comedic like the Ant-Man and then something as, you know, um, Jason Bourne-esque like Captain America Winter Soldier. They seem like yeah. totally different ends of a spectrum, almost like they're not related. And then when yeah. you see them converge and how they all totally blend in so well in this quilt that has been created. You understand how things like the Bible 
have continuity and people can say, and this is connected to this and this prophecies from there because they're doing it with Marvel. And you think to yourself, one day people will look back at this and study it in because the way you're you're talking about the the hexagon and the mathematical property of it with the energy yeah. of the of the the infinity gems and how it all, all like wow it's incredible yeah well of course I'm just going with possibilities right Based and that's on what the thing you're seen? just you're just yeah. we're going with what we've been shown and how they've already shown us that we're going to take something from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and the next time you're, you're going to see it is in Captain Marvel. Yeah. But that movie takes place at the, you know, that's really the second movie that you should watch if you're going to watch these movies in, in you know, um, chronological, chronological order. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. on release, but upon, you know, the first Avenger, and then you get Captain Marvel, and then this movie. And you think, wow, how... How far in advance did they plan for it to get to this? Well, this is the thing, right? Is it's and why it's all so important that these are released in in a certain sequence. Yes, is because um, like Jimmy Woo is in this this series investigating something. Like he's got a missing person that's taken him to New Jersey, and he's now part of the the task force that's trying to investigate what's going on. But his next movie is uh, Shang Chi and the the Legend of the Ten Rings. Like, so he's he's going to be in that one. So, wow, yeah. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, and then I mean they say the One Division will lead directly into Doctor Strange two, but it's also going to tie in with Spider Man at the end of next year, right? Yeah. So and it may also tie in with what's going on with the local. And right. what's what's so what's so interesting with everything you're saying is that all of these are are natural progressions of how we can make these stories make sense and work and still pay homage to the source material and and understand where that reference comes from while at the same time really doing it because now we're going to figure out a way to bring in Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and figure out a way that we can use the Fantastic Four and make it make sense. Well, the new um, the new catchphrase in Marvel is that everything happened. So everything that we've seen in every movie and every television show has happened in some ways. It's just a representation of a different Earth in the multiverse. Multiverse. It's... How did they figure out the multiverse before DC? Well, the multiverse is an older concept. It goes back to the the 1950s, the idea of alternate realities. Yes. And so that was kind of picked up on by DC first. Yes. So DC with the idea of crisis on Earth 2 and then Earth 3 and then eventually to infinite Earths. But they essentially said, okay comic universes are like alternate realities. So in Earth 1, Barry Allen reads about the Golden Age Flash. Right. But he's really a superhero on Earth 2. Graham Morrison picked up on this a little bit in Multiversity. But essentially, on on each of the Earths, there are comic books. And those comic books are like the writers and artists are filtering in 
the the visions and ideas that are coming in from the multiverse. Okay, I I I don't know about you, but I part of me believes that. I I've kind of said like I think that's true. But that yes. maybe could be just my fan my fan flag waving and saying it's all it all happened. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a it's it's a bit of stretch. We all dream. There are common themes in in mythology. Yeah, uh, like uh, Star Wars draws from a lot of common themes in mythology, uh, as do comic books. I mean, comic books are our, our our modern religion in a lot of ways. It's. So, I think one day you'll look. We'll look back at it like that. Yeah. I. I, I yeah. So um, Marvel picked up on it. Uh, with I'm trying to think when they started to introduce the idea of the multiverse in Marvel, they didn't really do a lot of that. No, no, not until I, much later. I feel like I, I'm not as 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 well versed as you in Marvel history, but I feel for me the one time where I saw them, you know, really acknowledge it in a way where they they hopped into a, into the universe and affected, you know, current six one six character was in like Squadron Supreme. I feel yeah. is an example of of them acknowledging that multiverse. And Squadron Supreme is basically Justice League, right? And that was I know they exi- they 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 appeared previous to Mark Gruenwald's classic series, but that was his way of saying I want to tell the Justice League story. This is how I can do it. Yeah, you know, Roy Thomas created the uh, the Squadron Supreme as a. Or the Sinister Squadron—I can't remember what they started out as, but yeah, um, as a, in the Avengers, there was I think in somewhere in the 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 fifties or the sixties in the first uh, run, there there's a storyline where they meet the Squadron Supreme, right? And then um, they cross over a little bit in seventies stories. Um, there are few-ish, you know, there was a lot of going back and forth. Like the Guardians of the Galaxy came back in time and interacted with the seventies Avengers and. Excuse me. Um, there was, you know, like when you look at something like Adam Warlock, that's kind of messy. There's a lot of drugs being taken too, obviously by the Jim Starlin and other creators, but, but, but you know what I, I find interesting as you say that, like during that era where those drugs were being taken, a lot of mm-hmm. that stuff is still more influential in the MCU based on what those guys did in like the seventies and eighties. I feel it's yeah. as informative to what they're doing now. And with the infinity gems, I don't know if, if this is just easy for them to, uh, I, Jim Starlin's infinity gems were to me that first, but I don't know if Jeff Johns, when he does the Green Lantern core and all the Spectrum core. If he's just riffing on the Infinity Gems, but there's that similarity of universal essence in the form of color representing some type of a energy. Yeah, yeah, that's actually um, that's a good analogy because he's taken the idea of color being representations of different emotions. Right. Right. So, and the Green Lantern energy is will. But then, you know, yellow would be fear. Right. Um, you know, pink is love and, and other, you know, I can't remember all the other colors in the spectrum. But There's hope, it's, compassion, it's, something like that. Rage. I mean, the difference with Marvel. So in both cases, we're talking about elemental energies being harnessed. Right. Comic book stories. So with the Infinity Storms, the same thing. It was like, these are elemental energies that have a focus through the gem. And so you remove that that focus, that that 
construct that focuses them, that energy still exists. We still have time and space and reality and those things exist. Um, and which is why they've been recreated multiple times in the comics yeah. subsequent. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, in, after Infinity War, the film showed up Warlock and pass along to other characters. And then you think they're destroyed, but then they're actually hidden, and then the stones just reappear in other areas. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's an author who I read a lot of uh, when I was in my teens uh, named Michael Moorcock, okay. and he created a character called Elric, but he also created a whole bunch of other characters. And he wrote a lot about the multiverse in his stories, in that all of his heroes were connected by the multiverse. So uh, they were all aspects of the same character called the Eternal Champion. Mm. But they occupied different realities. So like basically Elric would die and then he would manifest as Quorum in another reality. Uh, and then he would he start over again. But it would be a different time and space and things like that. And then he had one character... He called the Eternal Champion, um, that was his moniker, but he basically, his consciousness would jump between the different versions of this avatar. But again, it was this idea of the multiverse and everything being connected, and there were certain objects within the multiverse that when you assembled them uh, could do things with connecting realities, right? So, like, there was a city that manifested itself on all different versions of Earth, um, like there was a, there was a, basically the infinity horn, which if you blew it, it did basically destroyed the vibrations between realities and caused things to merge together. <laughs> and then, the, on the other forms, there was law and chaos, we both fighting to, to win over infinity realities. So it was like an ongoing war across the multiverse between these powers of good and evil, uh, except it was law and chaos, right? So... Uh, and both had their benefits. And anyway, a lot of these authors like Starlin and so forth, I think read a lot of Moorcock at the time because he was publishing like a zillion novels between like 1965 and 75. And so you see a lot of that stuff manifesting in things like Adam Warlock and, and the Thanos stories and um, uh, things like Master Kung Fu. Of all things, right? So there are aspects in there that are are brought up. So, um, and there was a real mine, like mining of the past, um, like old, old novels and pulp novels and bringing back old characters and Conan was coming back into prominence and stuff like that. It was definitely, uh, a lot of stuff connected. Yeah. There's, there's, um, of course they're, they're all theories, but there's something about the, uh, the magic of imagination and yeah. and the the you know how like in talking to i say this often it's you know i'm sorry for people hearing it again but in talking to certain writers like a jam de mateus who i would ask him you know when you told this story or or when you how did why did you make aunt may know that peter what peter was spider-man the whole time and the way that they describe that process of figuring out it doesn't seem like they wrote it. Yeah. You know, he would say something like, oh, I, I was I was reading and, and, you know, and I realized Aunt May always knew. 
And it's almost kind of like how you uh, kind of gave your fan theory. It sounded like a comic book plot, but it made it's like, of course, that's that is what they're going to do. Like the way you just laid it out, it's a stretch. But as you explain it and connect it and see why you came to that conclusion, like, oh, yeah, that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, and it all ties together, too. And I think they've tried very hard with the cinematic universe to establish that uh, there are certain rules. Like magic is magic, is magic, but it's science by a different – essentially, you're harnessing those elemental energies that Wanda, through her ability, does it naturally. Right. But Doctor Strange had to learn how to harness those magics by – reading spell books and, and basically training his mind to access those energies and, and do certain things. So the spells are, are simply uh, a means by which you would access those elemental energies of time, space, reality. Almost like how people would, would harness combustion or, uh, you know, any other sort of scientific property, magnetism, and 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 make it behave in a way that you can control, essentially. Yeah, it's like how they made the Thor movies. Like Asgard is, we're talking about Asgardian gods from mythology, but they're presented in such a way that they are, it's like an advanced scientific society. Right. Where godlike powers are just a manifestation of their abilities as as advanced as they are. Um, what we perceive as magic is really science to them. Yes, yeah, right? which is what established in in the in the first Thor movie. Yeah, so I, I the way I see it is, I, I you know a good story to read to prime yourself for how I think WandaVision is going to go is the Avengers disassembled arc, the Brian Michael Bendis story. Okay. So uh, it was basically it was Avengers 500 to 503, and all these crazy things happen, and Wanda is the villain. Yes, behind and her children. So uh, Doctor Strange shows up in the last issue, and basically does cleanup. So the Avengers are Avengers are dying, like Vision blows up, uh, Ant Man is killed. Jack of Hearts, another longtime character. He was dead, but he came back and just destroys the mansion. Um, all sorts of things. Hawkeye dies, eating the Korean squirrels who have suddenly shown up. But it's all illusions cast by Wanda's reality changing powers. And um, she's trying to keep her children who, who were removed in the Vision Quest storyline. She's brought them back. Basically, someone reminded her that she had children. Nope. You okay. I'm just, I, I had a sneeze come and then it left. So if it does happen, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in that story, she's reminded that she had children. Yeah. And so she recreate, recreates everything. So at some point they captain America finds her living in a house in black and white with her, her two twin sons, Agatha Harkness, the vision and wonder man. But Vision, we've already seen him blown up. So it's like a recreation of the Vision who's just there to serve her will, basically. Uh, but Dark Trees basically says, 
here you have someone who has powers, natural powers to affect reality. She has essentially, and she's studied magic as well, but essentially she has the same abilities that I have as the Sorcerer Supreme, but I had to work to get them. She has these things naturally, and she's grief-stricken, basically. She's lost, her husband was destroyed at one point. Uh, her children seem to be shards of Mephisto's soul. Like, all these terrible things have happened to her over the years. And she's never really dealt with the grief. She's, in fact, gone amnesiac, or people have tried to block the memories. So it's like the absolute greatest powers in the hands of the craziest person. Right. Right. So uh, he basically says, I have to step in and do something about this as Sorcerer Supreme. And I do think that's where he's going he's gonna to show up in, at the tail end of this and basically say, this is out of control. You're accessing these primary energies. And it's, it's basically breaking down the barriers between the realities of the multiverse. Right, which is why we may see X Men's Quicksilver. You know, where do mutants fit in with all of this? Right, there are no mutants in the Marvel universe, and yet Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are, in theory, so they were created by the Infinity Stone. But perhaps they are mutants, and we just didn't know that. And mutants are a byproduct of the cosmic background radiation that's mentioned in Episode Four. So perhaps Wanda's energies combined with the cosmic background energy have released the changes that will affect human DNA and cause mutations. So X-Men could end up being born out of this, or they may have been here all along, and we just haven't seen them. Yes. Right? Because, yeah, um, the... We're jumping ahead a little bit. I don't know if you if if yeah. you had another recommendation, but in another movie that's going to be released uh, this year is the Eternals, which yes. is a very high concept, never fully realized idea of Jack Kirby's. That again, I feel I, I said this to um, I think I said this to a, a David Molyneux who uh, from Britain. He runs a Marvel Comics Guy blog. Yeah, but I was saying to him. That it, I feel like this Jack Kirby figured something out, and he was trying to get it all out on the page like a, like a madman. Even though he was he was creating out of necessity and stories and and um, you know paying his bills, a lot of the things that he was telling it was almost like I gotta tell this Thor story, and if you're not gonna let me do it here, I'm gonna go and create the fourth world and keep it going. And when I come back and I didn't finish the fourth world, I'm gonna try again with the Eternals. It's like he's got some yeah. sort of thing he's trying to tell the humanity and 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 anyways on that tangent with the eternals coming in the comic book publishing universe the eternals end up being the species no the celestials create the eternals and as a byproduct the inhumans right so could that be uh, how they explain you, mutants uh possibly it's a way back in the in the dawn of time, um, the Celestials were around. So they're like gigantic aliens. They have uh, they wear armor, and, and they're very Kirby-designed. 
Yes. Uh, with weird uh, nuances and so forth. But uh, the, the celestials came to Earth and they found the spark of, of life. And they also came to the Skrull homeworld and they modified life there. And they went to the Kree homeworld and they modified life there. And so the Kree, they had some Kree with them or Kree DNA with them. And they introduced that into like what they modified with the Kree essentially became Eternals and uh, 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 what was the other one? The, the, the Deviant. The Deviants. Right. So the Deviants, uh, so if you were to think of it as like an Eternal is a positive mutation and a Deviant is a negative one. So a cosmetic one that makes you look like an animal or a, a devil or something like that. Yeah. While an Eternal would have a positive power that makes them still look human, but yet they would be, they're all immortals, essentially, but they would be super strong or super fast or super smart or have abilities over matter. And again, the same cosmic energies that we're harnessing, they're like uh, superhumans that they, they created. And so the, um, the Eternals established a colony on Earth. So there's two different branches of Eternals, right? So there's one that establishes a, a colony on Earth, and they evolve into the Inhumans. And the other Eternals are just long-lived and they live among them. Right? Like gods. The original one. The original ones were immortal. The later ones are like their children and grandchildren. Although I think in the movie, one storyline they're going with is that no one, none of them can actually have children. They're immortal, but um, impotent in a sense, right? They can't. But one of the, one of the um, Eternals is actually pregnant. So that's a, that's a plot point. But um, like Thanos is the child of an eternal named Alaris. Right. And, they, and their colony was established on uh, one of the moons of Jupiter, Titan. Titan, yes. Yeah. So they're part of that society that lived on Titan for the most part. So the Eternals have come to Earth and they've interfered with our history over the years. But the Celestials still did play with human DNA and uh, and put in the spark for subsequent mutations, like how humanity evolved from uh, Neanderthals to Homo sapiens. But Homo uh, superior, or mutants, is part of that evolutionary strain as well. So they're like a long-lived form of eternal in some ways. Yeah. See, there's, there's all these with, with everything you just said, I'm just taking it in. Sorry for the pause. No worries. Just taking all of that information. And I hope everyone who's listening, uh, is, is following along. This is like story time. Um, what you can do by introducing these things where again, I would say, why are you going to do the eternals? Yeah. It's, it's, we, we, you see them, you, there's a, there's a few series that never really take off, but when you see them, it's peripheral type of usages in the in the stories, yeah. right? So to say, wow, they're gonna go do a whole movie about this, but there isn't ever been a must read unless you're just no. a, a Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, read everything he does sort of thing, and he yeah. he, he deals with the gods 
type of storytelling really well. But in fact, I would say Eternals are not good comics. There, there are not a lot of really good Eternals comics to go to. Yeah, you we, could read the jerk Jack Kirby stuff, but it's just high concept. Gods live among us, and they fight an underworld of deviant characters, like monsters. So that's kind of like. Uh, a common thread in a lot of Kirby's stories is that there's an above and a below. You know, there's uh, New Genesis and there's Apocalypse. Right. So with the Eternals, it's the Eternals and the Deviants. So uh, the same thing. Like one one looks evil, one looks good. Um, but the fact that these characters have lived among humanity for centuries is interesting it also begs the question of why didn't they help out during Infinity War and Endgame? Where were they during all of that? Uh, uh, but it also, it also opens other questions, like um, giving us the history of the Marvel Universe from the dawn of time to now. So the movie itself could be just like a greatest hits of important uh, things, but they could also, in subsequent movies, back and forth in time and do right. stories. Right. So. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. So, with that, that that's another movie on the list. Uh, again, really no no great necessary reads with the Eternals. Just wait and see what they do with it. I would say, unless you're a Jack no, Kirby uh, completionist. And and some of those characters are in the Avengers. Yeah, like Cersei. Like Cersei, um, Star Fox, who is Thanos' brother. Yep. He's also an Avenger. Um, the Black Knight is a character or, or Dane Whitman who will become the black Knight is a character in the Eternals movie. He's played by Kit Harrington. So we may see his ancestor who has the ebony blade, which is a, a magic sword essentially in the time of King Arthur. Right. And his sword gets passed to Dane Whitman and he becomes the black Knight in our time. Right. But he rem- he's also communing with the spirit of his ancestor. Now, will they translate that to the movies? I don't know, but some of it will. Ah, so exciting! Yeah. Okay, so we've we've tackled uh, the Wanda and Vision quite extensively. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Eternals. Um, what would be the next yeah. movie on the list that would be coming out? In in let's well, let's so, try to go in order. Well, so I, I see Black Widow, um, which is a, a kind of a untold story of the black widow before she died. Right. And, and Falcon and the winter soldier are very closely tied together because I think both of them are going to introduce. So if you think of one division, it's going to have a little bit of that cosmic stuff in it. We've got sword, we've got Dr. Strange and the magic stuff. We've got um, the essential energies, Thanos and stuff. That's all ties in with the kernels and stuff. Multiversal stuff. Uh, but the grounded stories of Black Widow, who is a secret agent, uh, and and the stories of the Falcon uh, picking up with the shield given to him by Captain America, and Bucky trying to establish their reality post-Endgame, is going to give us more of the grounded heroes and what's been going on there. And that, I think, is all part of a tie-in to give us um, what would eventually become the Thunderbolts, Ah, yeah. So because um, Thunderbolt Ross is is involved in all of these shows, right? So and and they you know the fact that the team was called the Thunderbolts 
in the comics, but had no relationship with Thunderbolt Ross. Someone in the MCU said, well, they're named after their benefactor. They're named after General Ross, who kind of puts them together. So I think there's a little bit of that going on. So I think he's trying to establish his own team of Avengers in the absence of real Avengers. And it's my understanding is that he offers Sam Wilson a deal where he can be Falcon and Captain America, but he has to, you know, sign certain paperwork and, and agree to certain things, which Sam Wilson is not willing to do. And, uh, and then the shield gets passed over to us agent. who is a character that's debuting in the show. Right. And then Winter Soldier's arc is he's going to encounter Zemo, the guy that orchestrated the age of uh, civil war. Right. The, the uh, Daniel Brill character. Right. And in the comics, Baron Zemo is the leader. Yes. Of the Thunderbolts. Perfect. Yeah. And we know that other Thunderbolts characters, the general public may not realize this, but they've been cast in there. And there are Thunderbolts characters appearing on Falcon and the Witcher Soldier that are making their debut. And actually today it was just confirmed that um, Rhodey is going to be appearing in the show in an episode. So James Rhodes, uh, the Iron Patriot or, or War Machine. Mm. But um, they're going to Madripoor in an episode, oh. which is very heavily tied in with, with Wolverine. And um, we're going to learn a little bit about that weapons program that created Captain America. That Ross gave the formula to Tim Roth's character in the Hulk movie. Right. So that all ties into his... Ross has been trying to create his own superheroes for a while now. Right. You know, his own group of, of super soldiers of a, of a sort, right? So... Um, one one word is that uh, Yelena Belova, the new Black Widow, who will be introduced as uh, in the Black Widow movie, is going to be part of his team, as will Taskmaster. Perfect. I mean, but the cool thing about it, I mean, someone could watch the um, Netflix Defenders and say, "Oh, that's not the Defenders from, you know, back in the day. It's not the original team." However, it, it it's still it's it has precedence, and then you could do the same thing with the Thunderbolts. Yeah, so the Thunderbolts were a team of villains who were doing heroic things for yeah. their own reasons. Yeah, masquerading almost like a not really, but kind of a, a Suicide Squad esque yep. type of a Very team. Much so. Where are they yeah. good guys? Are they bad guys? Or even like the Secret Six, something like that. But there was something more to it than meet, meets yeah. the eye. Great series. So I think that a lot of um, the the ground-based heroes will be dealing with this storyline of uh, Ross assembling his own version of the Avengers. Right. Wow. And that's going to lead to, um, you know, uh, it, it, so we talk about stories that influence the movies. You can pretty much look at the whole direction of the comic Marvel universe and pick and choose things basically from the, from the year 2000 to recent storylines, 
Um, you pick and choose what were the big crossover events. Well, we've got Secret Invasion. They're going to do a version of Secret Invasion as a miniseries on Disney+. Plus. You've got Armor Wars. So they're going to do a version of Armor Wars, right, with what happened to Tony Stark's tech in his absence. Uh, but we're also getting Ironheart, which was a character that Bendis created. And we're getting Young Avengers characters debuting as well. Do you, I, they're gonna they're gonna do a live action Young Avengers. I, I think that's that's um, a very big. Uh, what's the not the I can't think of the word right now, but trajectory that they want to get to is try to establish Young Avengers. Sure. I feel yeah. with especially with um, Wanda having her children, and also speeding up the timeline where uh, Scott Lang's daughter is yep. is o- older as well as um i don't know if if because the hawkeye in the mcu is more resembling of the hawkeye from the ultimates universe yep. where he has a family uh you know that he, that's he he's connected to as opposed to the regular sort of for for people listening that may not understand mm-hmm. this lingo when we say 616 marvel universe that's just like regular what you what you may come to mind when you think of who Spider-Man right. is. And then there's these other versions that exist as well. The, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is designated 2800. 28C, there you go. That's its multiverse. So, yeah. so Hawkeye, you're talking about Hawkeye. Yeah. So the Hawkeye Matt Fraction series. Right. Which is highly recommended, David Ajahn and, and Matt Fraction. Fantastic. Um, that series is the big influence on the Hawkeye TV show that's coming up in the fall. Right. And that will introduce Kate Bishop, who is the second Hawkeye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she is a member of the Young Avengers. Right. So just that when I heard about that casting and then I saw in WandaVision that, oh, wow, they actually had the children and they, you know, it's exactly what their names are and everything. They're really going there. And then... So as- who- who will play them as adults? That's going to be an interesting one too, right? Right. Yes. And um, as well, I don't know if they'll if they will reference this. I don't think it would be hard to. But in the uh, Winter Soldier Falcon series, is is that the order? Is it Falcon Winter Soldier? I'm not sure. Yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier. In in their whatever their plot line is, they could find out that. Or, or tie in the um, history, the, the history of Captain America that that yeah. Steve wasn't necessarily the only one or the first one that there there was yes. a black man who was given the original super serum, uh, super soldier serum, and his ancestor could be another who ends up being another member of the the Young Avengers could be then properly referenced. So, um, yeah, the tr- it's called The Truth, uh, Red, White, and Blue. Right. The Red, White, and Black, I should say, which basically said that um, in the, in, around the time of World War II, the, the serum, the Captain America Super Soldier serum, they, the original serum was lost with Dr. Erskine's death, but other scientists went on experimenting with versions of it. Um, and you know, one version of which is given to Tim Roth in the Hulk movie, but, uh, a character, um, African-American soldiers received that as testing in the, in the forties, one of which was a gentleman named Isaiah Bradley, and he's going to be 
he's actually a character in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. There you go. Right. So, and his grandson, who has inherited some of those abilities, uh, is a young Avenger by the name of Patriot. So he may or may not debut in the this show as well. We're, we're we're spoiling it without trying to, but like you said, there's there's places you can look to in the comics and and see how uh, they can make it work in what's the designation of the MCU two eight oh two two eight zero zero two eight zero zero. So the reason that sticks in my head is that in the the Vision comics, um, the Tom King one. And there's some great visuals that they used uh, for the WandaVision television show. Yeah. Mike Del Mondo's great covers. Yes. But one of which is that his mailbox has the, the house number, which is 616. <sighs> so they've applied that to the their house in this town, which is 2800. So all the materials are saying that 2800 is the designation for the cinematic universe now. <laughs> so just like that, you know. Oh man, we're like the geeks. They'll find. Oh, the, huge geek stuff. Yeah, it's like we're deep diving for sure. We're we're geek what? We're deep diving. Oh here. yeah, yeah, it's very a, deep diving. Yeah, stuff. we're we're in the weeds. This is this is fun for us and and those who understand it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for me, when I think of Black Widow, a great series that people could read and pick up and know just the Scarlett Johansson character and pick up this book would be the uh, Mark Wade and Chris Somney series. Yeah. It's a very nice, neat 12 issues, complete story, fast moving, great action. And it's uh, a great sort of reflection of Black Widow's past that kind of, I think they're, they're showing or hinting at a little bit in, in the movie coming up. I think that's a great read. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are a few great um, Black Widow stories. Um, one of which is called uh, "The Web of Intrigue," which was uh, actually a four-part series in Marvel Fanfare in the '80s. But that introduces the um, the Iron Maiden, and that character is uh, is sort of in the Black Widow movie, but she's more like uh, another Black Widow. They've just turned her into an older version. So they've tried to create the the idea that the Black Widows were, they had a family relationship where some characters had like a mother role and others had a daughter, others had sisters. Like they, they all related to each other differently. Mm-hmm. And that, that story, Web of Intrigue, um, had some influence on it, um, as did uh, Bitsy Fighter which is another one I would recommend. And that's uh, written by Devin Grayson and illustrated by J.G. Jones. And that is the series that introduced Yellow Man Below Okay. So, I haven't read much of, uh, of, of Black Widow, but um, when she does appear in, in Captain America by Ed Brubaker or even in Daredevil books, it's always, yeah. it's always very meaningful. And it, yeah, Again, the the little bit that I have read in the uh, Mark Wade Somni series, I was uh, I was on board for more. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm excited for that movie. Just uh, I, I I know that it now is in a way kind of 
I don't know, the anticipation has gone up and then we had to sort of, it died down because of the pandemic, but I'd, I'd still like to see that story completed. She deserves her own film. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know what they're going to do in May because uh, the movie theaters aren't going to be ready for us to go. Yeah. In a lot of places. So we may end up seeing it on Disney Plus as a premium entry, which is fine by me, but... Yeah, me too. I I, I would pay for that movie premium. I couldn't pay for wonder woman at 29.99 even without no. i i wanted to because i i really wanted that movie to be good but yeah. dc movies i'm always just in general as a rule now i'm kind of like Ugh, i don't know if i want to i question sometimes going to the theater but for a, a marvel cinematic universe yeah yeah i'll, I'll pay i mean it's funny i, I would have gone to wonder woman and seen it in the theater if me that too. was an option but me too but buying it for 30 dollars for one viewing just didn't work for me. Right. It's all, it's yeah. something I got to wrap my, my mind around where if I'm, it's weird. I'm willing to get into my car, go to the theater, pay the popcorn, pay the premium for a seat and sit beside a stranger. But there's an experience yeah. to it, this shared sort of community that it's worth it. Whereas paying that much at home, it's, can't I keep it? Yeah. It's weird, but at least I with the Disney premium stuff, you you have that movie for as long as it's in the premium section ah. before it moves into the regular. So you can, which will be good for those of us who are crazy about Marvel stuff. So you can watch it as many times as you want. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot. Like there's a lot of material this this summer. I mean, Shang Chi is one we barely touched on, but that's going to have ties to Iron Man and ties to the history of Earth and Eternals in some ways. And that's so interesting. I did not think. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a very much a Bruce Lee esque. Uh, kung fu movie because that was a big part of Marvel in the 70s that would like you said be able to tie into something like an Iron Man but to think of the Celestials wow I don't know if you read um, did you read uh, Ed Brubaker's Immortal Iron Fist yes okay do you remember in in um, I don't remember if it was the second book or the first book but there's a a tournament Yes. That Iron Fist participates in with all these great martial arts champions from around the world. Yes. And I think a lot of that was used for the inspiration of what's going on in the Shang-Chi movie where there is a tournament. And we're going to be introduced to a whole bunch of other martial arts based superhero villains and heroes. Yes. That's, that, right. that's great. That's great. Because that was – I was – having seen what they did with Daredevil – and then the mm-hmm. story that they were able to tell with Jessica Jones on Netflix, I, I thought Iron Fist was going to be the best thing ever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and yeah. largely because of the story that you just referenced, the the mm. whole um, oh, I can't remember the name of the 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 cloud city that he's from. Kun Lun. Uh, uh, Kun Lun. Yeah. And it was, it was one of the first more mo- modern, when I was getting back into collecting comics full time, uh, I had asked my comic shop owner, Daryl at Cyber City Comics, said, if I want to read something a little more recent in Marvel, 
what would you recommend? And he recommended Hawkeye that you brought up um, yep. from Matt Fraction, David Aja, and then Immortal Iron Fist. And I two characters that I, out of all the ones he could have recommended, I had the least interest in. Yeah. And they were two stories that completely changed my appreciation of what you could do with, with a comic book story. And that, that immortal iron fist was incredible. Yeah. And I'm happy that they're going to kind of tap into some of those features in, in master of Kung Fu, but man, was I disappointed that they didn't do any of that in, in iron fist. Well, the problem with the, the Marvel Netflix shows where they were, bound by the limitations of special effects and the, and who they could use and what they could do in those stories. So it was all, um, you could have cut one, but barely reference it mm-hmm. and, uh, barely references past. Um, but you deal more with, well, I mean, it's, it is part, part of the Iron Fist mythos, but about, you know, who inherited the Rand corporation, right. And the, the brother and sister and the, and all that that was going on. I mean, the first series was interesting, but the second was just awful, in my opinion. But um, but now Marvel has those characters back, right? So we're rumored to get Daredevil back in the Spider-Man movie. Oh. And then uh, we may see the use of characters like Luke Cage as Iron Fist and Jessica Jones in future Marvel projects. Yeah, I think I think they handled the the Jessica Jones story just right. But see mm-hmm. with with something like like uh, Daredevil, the fight scenes and and how visceral and and it it was so evocative of like, oh, that that like I can feel those those punches that yeah, that Daredevil's taking. I said I can't wait till what they're going to do with Iron Fist. Yeah. And I and it's this is a tangent, but for me it's just a shame because I think that character is so much more cool, cooler than what yeah. we were given. That's the biggest disappointment I have, I feel. Well, I think the good thing is that um, now that they're back with Marvel, they can pick and choose what they liked about the Netflix shows and ditch the rest. They can recast. They can retell. They can introduce Iron Fist as a character in the Shang-Chi movie. I'm not saying they're going to do that with this one, but... Down the line, Iron Fist could debut, you know, the next Shang-Chi movie could be a buddy cop movie with Iron Fist. Where they're, they're martial arts champions or something and they're, they're after certain things or trying to get to Kanlan or, or who knows. Hmm. But uh, we're going to introduce a whole bunch of different random elements from Marvel again. So we're going to get the Mandarin, who is an Iron Man movie. Yeah, an Iron Man villain, but um, the Mandarin that we saw reference in Iron Man Three uh, was inspired by this movie, right? Right. right. So, um, like, uh, but this is this is the real Stonewall who was behind the Ten Rings organization. And yeah. then in the comics, the Mandarin's goal is to get the Ten Rings, which are Ten Rings of Power. Very much like the Infinity Stones, right? Yeah. So each yeah. each of the ten rings has an ability, like invisibility or power ray or you know um, flight, things like that. You can do different things with it. So obviously, he's in pursuit of them, but you could take his story and you can merge it with 
Shang-Chi story. In the comics, uh, Shang-Chi is the son of Fu Manchu, which you don't want to tell that story because Fu Manchu is too tied in with, with um, questionable racism right. from the authors who created him. So you want to eliminate that tie. So you take a, an existing Marvel villain who has an unfortunate name like the Mandarin, like, huh. I mean, unless you want to go for a buffet, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work for, a kid. but you could say, we know that um, the lead guy is Mandarin warlord. And so he now he may or may not be Shang-Chi's father. Now they may have re- reached that timeline to get rid of the, the Fu Manchu, Sax Romer stuff, and just make him, Shang is the son of a criminal warlord, a criminal leader in the, in the, uh, in the East who influenced the Ten Rings organization. And Shang-Chi may have grown up in ignorance of what his father was doing, and he's just discovering it. Do you, do you think, um, wow, do you think that we'll see the um, Hawkeye Ronin character? In, in Shang-Chi at all? There's a rumor that we're going to see some of the Ronin story in the Hawkeye show. Okay. In flashbacks. Okay. And maybe we will. Um, if they do a flashback to the time period before um, the return of the characters in Endgame. Right. And they do a flashback to the Ronin era. Maybe something happens where Ronin kills somebody or takes part of the organization out or I don't know. But we could just as well see Ben Kingsley in there, the the fake Mandarin from Iron Man 3. I think I think we will because there's there was that, again, this is a little bit deep. For those who don't buy the DVDs or the Blu-rays, there was a, um, a Marvel short that was uh, attached to one of the DVDs, I forget which one, where it shows yeah. that they've... Um, he's escaped from prison, the Ben Kingsley Mandarin. So he's out there somewhere and there's some subplot involving him. Well, yeah, I think it's called hail to the King. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and so, uh, Scooter McNair basically breaks into prison as a journalist to interview him and captures him, uh, to bring to the actual Mandarin. That's right. So we may see a resolution of that, but of course, in Marvel Universe time, that's like ten years ago. That's so, true. Uh, yeah, we'll see how they handle that. Yeah, that's maybe true. he keeps him around as a jester. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but yeah, and then, then we're, and word is that we're going to get an appearance by um, talk about other left field characters, but Fin Fang Foom. Do you know Fin Fang Foom? Fin Fang Foom, I just, I feel that, that isn't that the uh, the dragon character? Yeah, it's a big dragon. He has little tiny hands. Yeah, and and I, I don't know if it was, um, I read it recently in the Walt Simonson Thor, the Fin Fang Foom that's there becomes the Midgard Serpent, but I don't think that's the same thing. No, no. But that's, I know, I know the reference of Fin Fang Foom. So he's going to make an appearance in, in which film? It's Shang-Chi. Oh, this is just amazing yeah. to be alive right now. Yeah, I think Fin Fang Foom is the guardian of the Ten Rings. Right, right. Yeah. Now they're now that they have the um, IP of Master of Kung Fu and, and Shang-Chi, they're reprinting them in the epic collections 
Yes. That's that's collecting a lot of the stuff from the 70s. And I, I have really? the first volume of that, and I, I quite enjoyed it. But I feel like you have to, if anybody does want to read those, you have to beware of some of the, um, I don't think it was malicious, but there are terminologies that we do no longer use. Yeah, it's, it's like... Um... There are things that we would say are borderline racist, but they're not intentionally so. Right. It's just that um, there are a lot of stereotypes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, they actually did four omnibus volumes of the entire series. Yes. Yeah, which I, I ended up picking up. But uh, I think we've gotten two epic collections. Yes, so far. Um, the artwork, once you get into Paul Galassi and Gene Day, the artwork is just outstanding. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's very creative. Um, and, and it's very, um, the closest thing I would compare it to it is like James Bond with lots of Kung Fu. That's yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a lot of fun to read. I didn't think I would enjoy it and I gave it a shot and it's, it's quite a bit of fun to read, but I, I yeah. do think you have to, uh, prepare yourself for that, that, the era of, of when it was written. Yeah. And, and I think it improves. Once you get to like the second volume and you've gotten past the, the clumsiness of the first ones, mm-hmm. it's not so much of an issue. And as like as Larry Hama came on when he got hired by Marvel, he said, maybe let's stop coloring our Asian characters bright yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and she give them like normal skin tones and then stop like trying to dehumanize them. And, uh, you know, and I think that obviously fits in with Marvel's overall policy but i think it's funny like um master of kung fu was really born out of the kung fu phase yeah with with bruce lee and and he is basically bruce lee yeah he sh- it's uh, almost it like that was, it was cat it was made for him to ever one day be cast as as shang chi yeah like what if bruce lee was a marvel superhero and and, and i gotta say i mean simu Liu is a great actor and i love him in the Kim's convenience. He's very funny. I think he's going to bring a lot of that Marvel charm, the Marvel hero charm to the to the table. Yeah, as Shank. So I think that's going to be pretty entertaining. Is there? But there's a lot. It, there's an Iron Man story that I'd recommend. Uh, John Romita Jr. I think it was part of the Armor Wars era. Okay. But I think Byrne was writer on it. Yeah. But it yeah. had. Um, it did have the Mandarin and Fin Fang Foom. Okay, and I think part of that storyline was in a uh, was loosely adapted into an animated feature, an Iron Man movie where uh, yes. Iron Man fights the Mandarin. Yes, yes, I know the one you're talking about. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Good call. So yeah, with some of these characters that they're making movies about, sometimes the the best stories that could inform you or really tap into what the the film or television show is going to represent might not necessarily be in a falcon comic book per se you may have to yeah. look elsewhere so that's a good good reference to bring up iron man yeah um loki is something we haven't really addressed but yes yes tell me loki's definitely dealing with multiversal stuff and time and word is we may see Kang the Conqueror introduced in this storyline, on this show. It's also the, the only series that is guaranteed to have a season two. Wow. Of these, yeah, right? So they've already announced that Loki season two is a thing. So it's it's basically Loki as 
multiversal slash time cop. So he works for um, an organization called the Time Variance, or he gets recruited by the Time Variance uh, something authority. And that was uh, an organization they debuted in Walt Simonson's run of Fantastic Four. That's right. Yeah. Man. Do you just remember all of this stuff, or did you like look up references? Because uh, well, I've, I've I've seen some people talking about it, but I'm also pretty familiar with the material. Yeah, I've read that story, but that's right. Very cool. Yeah, and so um, uh, like the the TVA um, ends up like there's a story involving an Avengers villain called Immortus, and and so. Um, the TVA is, is basically run by three entities that were created by Immortus at the dawn of, at the end of time. And they oversee all of the inconsistencies and timelines to try to prevent variants from happening. So part of this will be Loki assigned to branch out eliminate branch timelines from the main one. Uh, you think back to what the, um, the ancient one told Bruce Banner in, in, in Endgame and how branch timelines are formed. Right. That's right. Uh, and Loki himself is a creation of a branch timeline because the Tesseract, he took the Tesseract that they were trying to capture to help the Avengers in Endgame and he disappeared with it, requiring them to go back further in time to get another version of the Tesseract. But by him capturing the Tesseract and escaping, he created a branch timeline himself and that they've sucked him in basically as a prevent him from, from destroying that earth essentially by having another variant. So they recruit him to be an agent from what I understand of what I'm seeing. So. Almost like a, a, this is a non-Marvel comics comic book reference but almost like he he's part of an agency like an umbrella academy kind of yeah okay he's there to make sure that the the main timeline remains untouched ah and although with with the multiverse there's so many different iterations of the multiverse that um he also has to keep those other aspects of the universe those other other realities from interfering with that main reality too Right, so like we're going to we're going to meet a female version of Loki from an alternate universe, multiversal version of Loki. And then I noticed they referenced the um, Loki for President series that came out a couple years ago, right? With the at least the imagery of it, yes. And that apparently is another alternate timeline where Loki ran for president. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, now 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 that they've um, built up built this universe up, did a time travel story and, and brought in the quantum field and quantum mechanics of, of Hank Pym. Yeah. All of these possibilities open up to the point where they can almost you're not gonna be um, stuck with the what's the word? All of the paradoxes that you get in a X Men franchise. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they can say, "Oh, it's a multiverse, and this did this, and there's an incursion here." Like they could just do anything almost, right? Because in a sense, the X Men 
are from an alternate timeline, right. an alternate universe exactly. in the multiverse. Exactly. So, um, like, if Evan Peters shows up in Quicksilver, is he that X-Men version? Right. Pulled into this reality, or is he just a construct of Wanda's? That type of thing, drawing from energy in the multiverse. Right. And, um, yeah, it's it's... I just hope that it doesn't get to a point, and it might be getting there, and we don't realize it because we're so invested in this stuff. I just hope it doesn't yeah. get to a point where someone can appreciate a, a movie or a show on its own without, well, you have to watch these five before you watch this one. I just hope it doesn't get to that point because yeah. that could eventually, well, it's like a house of cards that could fall on itself. So you think of um, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Those were the culmination of 20-some-odd films. Yeah. But they're entertaining on their own. Yes, I agree. And they don't go overboard in explaining who everybody is and what their backstory is. Yes. They just assume that if you want to know, go back and watch these movies. Yes. So it's like here's – it's like um, the uh, – like when I picked up something like um, Infinity Gauntlet – when right. it came out. Right. I picked up the story and I know it's set in the Marvel universe. And I know that right. there are Avengers. And I know there's Spider-Man. I know there's Doctor Strange. I know there's Hulk, Wolverine, the X-Men. These characters may or may not show up. Perfect example. Yeah. Right. So, um, in fact, I think Infinity War is the perfect example of a Marvel crossover comic book. Yes. Because essentially the storyline progresses and it ties in all these different elements it doesn't hit you over the head with them. They just exist. Like, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy. If Thor meets them, he says, who are you? I'm the, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, who are you? Well, I'm Thor. Are you an Avenger? No, I'm, I don't know anything about the Avengers. You know, like, they learn about each other in this way, and it's very organic. Yes. To the where they're all sort of... Uh, it could be... I'm sure it's, sure it's going to be overwhelming to some people. And other people will just say, yeah, whatever. I'll go with the flow. Yeah, you see, and and I try to I try to watch some of these things that are coming out now, um, as a as a person both invested and as if I didn't know this, could I still enjoy it? And with something like WandaVision, I think you can because there's mm-hmm. that tapping into the nostalgia and the golden age of television, along with this very. Um, Twin Peaks like story where something yeah. strange is afoot. What's going on? And I got excited when you see uh, I forget her name now, but Kat Dennings' character from Thor, yeah. for her to reappear after all. You don't realize the Thor movie, the first one I think came out 2012 or 2011. It's ten years yeah. ago, and for yeah. and and of course there was Dark World and uh, I forgot the year that came out, but mm-hmm. she hasn't really been seen for quite some time in this in this universe but for her to now show up and be consequential but you don't have to know that she was in thor no so it's and and even jimmy woo you don't need to know the connection to ant-man with jimmy no and his appearance there makes me think of his previous appearance and who he could be pursuing but we don't need to know all we need to know is He's there because someone in the witness protection program has disappeared. That's it. You know, I'm filling in the blanks of who I think it could be because it's not going to be Hank Pym or Janet Van Dyme or whatever. But um, 
yeah, it's it's. I, I think that if a lot of people turned off, they either got into the love of the old TV shows and enjoyed the first three episodes, or they were like, "What the hell is this? This makes no sense. Why am I watching a comedy with Avengers? That's it's not even that funny. Some of it's funny, but it's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. Very Twin Peaks. You're right. Um, but I think it's that episode four that really ties it together. Yeah. And in an MCU film, I think it's basically, it ties in so much to, you know, to Captain Marvel, to Ant-Man, to Endgame, you know, all these different things. There's talk that when he's talking about the fact that sword, which in the comics deals with extraterrestrial stuff, has changed its mandate to be more with superhumans and supercomputers and AI. Uh, he talks about a lot of their, their astronauts disappeared. Well, what if their astronauts were the Fantastic Four? You see? Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was just looking. I was just like, oh, that's Monica Rambeau. Rambeau, and that's the little girl from Captain Marvel. And, and oh, look, there's her mom yeah. on the wall. There's a photon. That's a, another reference of what Monica Rambeau can do or what she becomes. And that's what yeah. I'm thinking. But then, yeah, you're right. They reference the astronauts. It's like the, when I rewatch. Um, oh, now we're getting again into the weeds. But when I rewatch uh, Endgame, and mm-hmm. they, there's the hologram panels in front of uh, Black Widow and everyone's kind of giving their report. And I think it's um, the, the, I forget the character's name now from Wakanda, one of the security detail for T'Challa. What's, what's her name? Oh, um, uh, Nikoye. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Nikoye. Yeah. And she, makes some type of reference to something happening in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. And I thought of Namor. Namor. Yeah. Immediately, right? And when you watch these things more than once, you catch those, oh, could that be this? Or they there they set it up. There was the moment they set it up. It's just Yeah. So, so cool. I don't I don't know how they pull it off. I really don't. Yeah, cuz uh, I mean, obviously they're in the story writing phase of Black Panther 2. And they're not they're they're not replacing T'Challa, so we'll see what happens there. But um, you know the the early word was the story was going to be um, Wakanda versus Atlantis. Yeah, based on that exchange, right? So and and you know in, in my last conversation with uh, Sam Noir, he was saying that you know are they are they opening this up to eventually getting to an Avengers Illuminati sort of situation where incursions are happening with the multiverse and of course in the illuminati namor and and the black panther were on a council while at the same time at war with each other so just like you reference now the wakanda atlantis atlantis war and stuff with the multiverse could just as easily lead into the secret wars the Hickman style secret wars with battle world. And that's what, that's what Sam's conclusion is. He goes, are we leading up to a, a, a phase six where it's, uh, you know, battle world and a secret wars. Yeah. Crazy. And that would enable them to bring back. Cause there's all sorts of crazy theories that this is a problem with YouTube is that th- there are so many channels that feed on Marvel information and they're all theorizing on stuff. Like there's an there is an a, an active theory that Doctor Strange is going to introduce 
the main villain for the next arc as Iron Man. But it's it's Iron Man played by Tom Cruise. Uh. And Tom Cruise is going to lead a team of alternate reality Avengers in their attempt to try to eliminate the 2800 reality, which is affecting all of their existence. And that's going to lead to basically secret wars. Yeah, the incursions, realities. And and then if that exists, well, that completely makes sense as to why Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are showing up in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, although um, the way that Sony stuff works out, I think it's Sony just wanting to have their own Spider-Verse movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Right, so uh, I, I think it will tie in with that. That and and it, that these are ways of making all of these things are also being done for business purposes. That's what trips me out sure. is that they're they're how do we still do business with Sony, introduce what they want to introduce, but make it work with what we're stuck with after that? Sure, because we were talking about Venom and Morbius, maybe right. I mean, we know like from the trailer that the Vulture shows up in Morbius. I didn't right. I There's this scene where Michael Keaton meets him. There you go. Right, but now we're going to meet... We know that they've cast the Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2, Alfred Molina. Right. They've, they're bringing back Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Word is that Sandman is going to be showed up, played by Hayden, uh, Thomas Hayden Church from Spider-Man 3. And then uh, we've also got word that Willem Dafoe is going to be reprising his role as Norman Osborn. So they're doing end up being the Norman Osborn. Sort of like how J. Jonah Jameson is played by you know the same actor that played him in the other movies. It, right. It, it's it's just ah man. I I do this every time we we theorize about Marvel movies, but it's exciting. It really is. Yeah. Because anything's anything can happen. Anything can happen. And it could and and for for people who I think I think human beings, whether we comic comic book fans especially, can gripe and complain or or say get over it already. The whole issue of continuity, right? Right. Outgrow it. It's it's useful tool. It's cool, but sometimes you just got to take story for story's sake and not worry about continuity. Yeah. Which is absolutely, I agree with that a hundred percent because I've. I, so I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that. If we're reading the adventures of characters in a certain universe, like the 616 universe, they should follow a certain continuity. I and agree. And that each, each parent should lead into the next. I agree. Right? So uh, if uh, – and someone should be traffic copying that and saying, oh, you want to use Namor in this? Okay, well, here's where Namor last appeared and this is how he looked. So if you want to pick up on that story – and if you want to retcon something that happened, you could do that. You could do the John Byrne route and say it was completely natural that whatever happened gets reversed. Uh, and, and, and which is how we grew up with it in the, in the 80s and the 90s, right? So, right. There's ways around it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, not to be a slave to continuity, but acknowledge that these are sequential stories featuring soap opera adventures of characters. So you have to realize that 
those people that follow those characters are aware of what they did in the last time they showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we get bogged down in it or I know that I've gotten rid of collections and oh that doesn't count anymore. Like it didn't, it didn't happen. So I'm not, I don't even need to own that anymore. It doesn't count. I get into those little stupid fits like that because I'm a nerd. But, um, I think just in general, human beings like that sort of continuity. We like it. It, it excites us when we see things connect, uh, in all forms of storytelling. It's what makes people believe in things. So to see them doing this in a, in a much more difficult arena of, of telling stories on television, animation, uh, the, you know, the theaters, and then to find a way to make what other people saw 20 years ago resonate and, and work, it's, it's really incredible. I don't think mm-hmm. it like I, I, I over it's I can't overstate it. And to and to the way that that Stanley started this Fantastic Four comic to just do one more story, like look at where it went to. Yeah, it's it's really amazing to see it connect like that. Do you think that um, Chris Evans will make an appearance as Johnny Storm? No. Okay. Maybe, but I don't think so. <laughs> it would have to be a much older version of Johnny Storm. Yeah, right? He's got to, yeah. there's something about the youth of it. But hey, they got all these kinds of tricks. They made him look super old. They maybe can make him look super young. I don't know. That's true. Right? I think you're more likely to see Chris Evans come back as the Hydra Cap from uh, that series that came out uh, just recently where I can't even remember. I blocked it out of my mind. Yeah. I, I was. Nick the Nick Spencer series, yeah, Secret Secret Empire, yeah. Yes, I was I was reading that for a bit, and then I just I said I don't know I, I'm just not at some point. Well, I didn't I care. Mean, essentially, what happens is the character takes the Tesseract, yeah, and rewrites Captain America's memories, right, in reality where he thinks he was a Hydra agent, right. But then the actual Cap is in fact trapped in the Tesseract, and then he escapes. Yeah. So you end up with two versions of Cap, one who's good and one who's because uh, I mean we've had old Cap before in the comics. Yeah, yeah. And he's become young Cap again, so that he could just as easily, if Chris Evans decides, eh, you know what, I'm having fun with stuff, but I miss being Captain America. It's easy to bring him back. The yeah, the the realms of possibility are endless, and I think that's that's what excites us about this, right? We love the connectivity, we love seeing yeah. things that we were invested in matter, but then just the endless possibilities of what you can share in a story. It's so cool. Yeah, like Iron Man has died before. Yeah, Iron Man could come back. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I think it kind of, as Robert Downey Jr. said, it kind of demeans the sacrifice of his death and end game. But on but the other hand, you can make him an AI. You can make him the voice inside of, uh, iron suit. Sure. Right. There's all kinds of ways you could do it. Oh, well, that's yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You could bring him back as a teenager. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> no, no, no the, crossing. The, the crossing. Yeah. Hey, some people yeah. like that story. <laughs> I, I don't know it, who they are. <laughs> I think I think my buddy Adam Chapman likes that story for some reason. I always ask him oh, why. Uh, Hi, Adam. In case you're listening. 
Sorry, Adam. You know There's what? So much better. Right. Listen, I I had a a soft spot for the electric blue Superman as a kid because I bought those. So yeah. you know, it kind of just happens where you reconcile. And like, hey, I like that Captain as a kid. Captain America was a werewolf, right? So yeah, and you know, you know what? It's, that got reprinted recently, and and the way people remember it, they have the nostalgia glasses on. So it kind of changes over time. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been going for an hour and forty-five, Kev. I don't know if you felt oh, it. Wow. I haven't, but it's been uh, it's been really, really fun. And I know you got to eat dinner, so okay. Well, I'm glad. I mean, we kind of went in with a loose plan, and then we just riffed on stuff, which is great. It's and we still fun. and we were still able to uh, recommend and put in some reading lists of where people can look for stuff, and some of them in unlikely places, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, sorry. I just, it's the breadth of the Marvel universe is that um, these guys can, the cinematic people can draw in stuff from just about anywhere. So, you know, a Fantastic Four story can be repurposed into a WandaVision story, right? So, yeah. Which is kind of what it is, too. It's a Fantastic Four story. That's true. No, you're, you're, so, you're right. Uh, Fantastic Four 293 to 295. Uh huh. A small town gets en- enveloped in an energy field. Right. And time seems to work differently in that energy field. So uh, in the storyline, Vision goes in, but he collapses. He like he basically he gets deactivated. Right. But uh, the Fantastic Four go in, and they discover it's been hundreds of years later. But it's kind of like that. They're just the concept of a town engulfed in an energy field, and and there's uh, the basically the Marvel universe on the outside trying to break in and find out what's going on within that energy field. That was, uh, so it was Fantasy 4, 293, 94, 95, and Avengers 233. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what's so cool about the, these, the, this art form where the stories become repurposed to recreate a, a, a familiar universe in mm. its own way. And tell these these stories that, like you just said, this is actually a Fantastic Four story, but in the two two eight oh oh, it is more more about Wanda and Vision than it yeah. would be about them. It's just so yeah. cool. Yeah, I love it. It's like uh, the Beekeeper, right? Everybody thought he was an AIM guy, right? He was an agent of AIM, but uh, reality is, it's just how Wanda interpreted that uniform in her alternate reality. Is that us? And, and it could be tied into AIM somehow, but AIM in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a different thing from from the beekeeper AIM of the Marvel Comics Universe. Right, right. It, it was created by Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3. That's right. And the uh, the agents of AIM were all fed um, the... Um, oh my God, what's that... Uh, that, that uh, the thing that Tony Stark developed that made them Extrem- overheat. Extremists? Extremists, yes. Extremists, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's true. Is there a character that they haven't um, – they kind of – for me, I have one that they've kind of referenced, and I really hope it comes to fruition. For me, I'd love to see if they could do Adam Warlock. That's a deep cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's the one I'm I'm really hoping for. Is there one for you? Well, I love Adam Warlock, and I think we're going to see him in Guardians 3. Ah, yes. Eventually. But 
uh, I love that character because he's such a, a whiny, mopey character. Yes. He's very much like uh, that Elric character that I referenced, referenced earlier. Okay. Um, very melancholy and uh, whatever. But I'd like to see like Wonder Man pop in huh. somehow. And, and he could show up in this series, WandaVision, somehow. His pictures were on the walls of the designers of the show, so uh, so I'm sure he was on their mind to somehow factor him in. Beta Ray Bill is a character I'd like to see. Yes. And uh, there's talk he may show up in uh, Thor. Like, I don't know if you saw the pictures from Thor that were released this week. The ones that so, have some of the Guardians of the Gal... The, um, I forget the character's name, but James Gunn brother is the actor. Yeah, ones? yeah it's, uh, he's now the new Yondu, but... Uh, right. But it's got Thor, and basically Thor is wearing the Thunderstrike outfit. Ah. Right? With the leather jacket and uh, right. he's got yeah, the, Love the, and Thunder. The there Kirby you go. Yeah. 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 Aha. And yeah. that's going to tie in a lot with the Jason Aaron Thor. Yes. The Mighty Thor, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just so much, so much good stuff. So much. We, yeah. could, we, could, we could go on forever. And you know what the funny thing is, is that with the show of WandaVision itself, there's so much psychological things to unpack, not just in the mm-hmm. character, but just in a study of psychology. Yes. And in, in yeah. that you, we like, that could be a whole other conversation into itself. Yeah. So just with all the places they could go and the movies they can make and the characters they can introduce that excite us, there's the mm-hmm. actual, philosophy of the story that you get something from which is really what i think we're in it for more than anything and there's only one show we didn't discuss which is uh, what if right right that's that's coming later in the summer and that's, and that's more animated. just like an alternate version of yeah. the marvel universe yeah well and then again it, it could uh be making references to what is occurring in multiverse like in the multiverse itself yeah and and almost give you give you the primer to what they come to you with right we may be seeing the worlds of secret wars right like it's almost a trailer in a way yeah what if this guys and in fact this is something you're gonna you're gonna encounter so cool now we've we've seen the watchers in guardians 2 that's right this will be the first time where we meet earth's watcher Uwatu. And he's voiced by, um, oh my God, I can't remember the actor's name, from um, Westworld. I don't know. I never watched Westworld. Uh, Westworld. I don't remember his name offhand. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to play off of that. Uh, uh, you know, idea of the multiverse that we're going to be introduced to in these upcoming shows. So yeah, so. This, this is great. Well, Kev, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate. Uh, I always appreciate hanging out Definitely with you right. and and talking right. to you. And uh, I can't wait for this COVID stuff to end, and me, you, and Sam could go for a beer and just really geek out in the flesh. It'll be. Exciting. We'll have to do a podcast on a patio drinking beer. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. If it's whether it's uh, you know you guys could come to where I live and we could have beer in my front lawn or or meet somewhere mm-hmm. in the city, it would be really nice to. Uh, See people again. Well, let's finger cross and hope that that's something that we can do later in the summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if we'll have a Comic-Con or a Fan Expo, but 
Here's hoping, man. We'll see. I'm I'm working on Fan Expo like normal, but yeah, I mean, it all depends on how many people are vaccinated and yeah, safety protocols and things like that. So for sure. Well, yep. you take care. You have yourself a good night, a great dinner, and uh, I'm sure Me that too. I'll be texting you throughout the week and the weeks to come. And we'll and, and we'll have good. you on the show probably next month. <laughs> In regular rotation. In regular rotation. That's right. Thank you, buddy. I yeah. appreciate it. All you right, have a good sir. night. Thank you.